Hello, and welcome back again to the Think to Win podcast. I am Burke O'Day, here as always with Sam Lucy. Hello, Sam. Hi, Burke. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. Today is going to be an interesting episode. We're going to talk about uh, some heroes of yours, General Patton and then uh, Mean Joe Green. Mean Joe Green. Yeah, I, I always let Burke uh, pick the topics, at least up to this point I did, and we got to talking about heroes, and I'm not a hero worshiper by any stretch of the imagination. I have very, very, very few heroes, but two of my top heroes are General George Patton and uh, Mean Joe Green, as that's how they named him, Mean Joe Green, which was a defensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who has four Super Bowl rings of the 70s, the Steeler dynasty. And, of course, I was a very avid fan in the 70s. Not today, I could care less. But back then, I was as big a Steeler fan, I guess, as they had. And uh, Mean Joe really made an impression on me. So what do you want to know about him, uh, Burke? So how about let's start off talking about General Patton. What about about him, would you say, that made him one of your heroes? Uh, Lots of reasons. First reason is he was real, okay? He wasn't politically correct. Son of a bitch was his favorite word. You know, uh, he didn't try to be cute. Uh, he just he just said what he thought and uh, very strong, dominant, uh, not well-liked, you know, even probably feared. But uh, he could get results. But I, I think what I liked about him most was he was real. And one of the things that really... I, I want to say, I, when I see a person who, who wants to pretend and they want to play and they want to use the right words and say the right thing and be politically correct and be very careful about their image, uh, I don't have much respect or use for a person like that because they're phony. Well, this guy was anything but phony. He, he told you exactly what he felt, exactly what he was about, and I liked that so that I had deep respect for him, but then... What really gave me the deepest respect for him was his ability to get things done. Uh, you know, no matter where they put him, they they put him in, uh, in in North Africa. He did the job. You know, when they were stalled, first time the the, the Germans met the American in, in North Africa at Kasserine Pass, it was a disaster. They got they got their ass kicked around the moon. They brought in Patton. Okay, and he was very successful in North Africa. Then we go to Sicily. You know they're they're in Sicily and they're and they're stalled. Okay, so Patton makes a big end run. You know what he calls amphibious raid, a big end run. He breaks that up, and now they conquer Sicily. Then they took him out of. They he didn't go to the rest of Italy. They took him out of there. Okay, so now we go to Normandy. Well, what happened in Normandy? They they invade Normandy. They make they they establish the beachhead. They drive inward in France and they get it all stuck in the hedgerow country. So what's Patton? They bring in Patton three four weeks later. He makes a big end run with his tanks across, you know, right across France and, and breaks it up. Uh, so anytime they needed uh, somebody to shake things up and get it moving, they would bring in George Patton. And then, of course, at the right almost at the end of the war, in the uh, in the, in the Ardennes when the when the Germans made their last offensive, right around Christmas in the Ardennes and overrun uh, and trapped I think the first airborne at uh, I think it was. First Airborne, 82nd Airborne, not the first, one of the Airbornes, trapped them in Bastogne, okay? And, you know, the, they were holding on. If they hadn't, if they didn't hold Bastogne, Germans would have broke up the offensive, had their offensive, 
they would have driven a, uh, a line between the, the two Allied armies, and they would have had uh, access to the sea at Antwerp, and it would have been a disaster because Hitler already had dead airplanes. It was very close to an atomic bomb, and you know the war, the winter ended, spring come, and he could have won the war. But thanks to George Patton, he was able to go 100 miles in uh, maybe eight or ten days, 100 miles of ice and snow, fighting every step of the way. You know, when they ask all the other generals who could do, you know, then everybody, General Montgomery's and other, oh, we can't do anything, there's nothing we can do. Patton said, I, I can do it, and Eisenhower called on him to do it, and he did it. Yeah. Of course, when, when the war was over, then they had no use for him anymore because he had a big mouth, he didn't know when to shut it, mm-hmm. okay, and he and he talked, you know, he, he wanted to, he immediately wanted to, uh, to push the Russians back into Russia and get them out of Eastern Europe and save Eastern Europe. Of course, they called him a maniac, and they relieved him of his command, and then he actually died from a jeep wreck in uh, in Germany. Uh, but why was he my hero? Because he was real, and he could, he knew he could get things done when other people doubted. So he was my, uh, one of my big heroes. I only have a few. Now, if you want to talk about Joe Green, same thing. I mean, you know, I'll never forget as a Steeler fan back in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s. I was young. I was, you know, uh, um, I was in my 20s, you know. And so they, they hired this new coach called Chuck Knoll. And uh, uh, Chuck Knoll, now he's going to build his team. I think they were they won one game the, that year before he brought Knoll in and lost whatever it was, 11-12, whatever it was. I don't even know what the number was in the season then. It's more now, but so he, his first draft pick. Imagine this: the Steelers haven't won. They won two or three games in two years. They they bring in this Chuck Knoll from Cleveland as the head coach, young man. His first draft pick is Joe Green from a little school in Texas. The people in Pittsburgh went crazy. They went nuts. What the hell is he doing, drafting a, a defensive tackle from a little state place in Texas, a little school in Texas? Okay, uh, people were really dismayed, you know. And then, then he drafted. I don't know if I guess probably the same draft. He he, he drafted Hanready from as a uh, uh, quarterback from Notre Dame. I think it was that year, maybe the next year. And then I think the following year he drafted Terry Bradshaw. But his first pick, think about it, his first pick as a defensive tackle from a small school in Texas. Well, that defensive tackle. Okay, led the Steelers to four Super Bowl wins from that little school in Texas. Why? Because Joe Green knew when he stepped on the field that he could win and he could turn a team around and he could he 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 was a game changer. He, he was he was a person who game changed the game. Uh, and I think he was very upset about coming to a losing place like Pittsburgh, but he wasn't going to tolerate it. He wasn't going to tolerate being on a losing team. And he, 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 along with Chuck Noll and a lot of other good draft picks and a lot of heart, he was the heart of the Steelers. He was the one, he was, he was their spark plug. He was their motivator. There's no question about it. He was their motivator. Uh, I remember their first Super Bowl when um, they were championship game with Oakland. I, I think the championship game with Oakland. And they, uh, you know, they were behind a little bit in his fourth, like fourth quarter. And... Uh, Joe Green and the defense turned the ball over, and they gave it to the offense, and they sputtered, kicked it back. They turned the ball over, they sputtered, kicked it back. Finally, they turned it over again somewhere in that sequence. I think it was two, maybe three times. I think it was three. It could have been two. 
Joe Green, when the offense walked on the field, he was shaking his hand, shaking his fist at the offense. And, and uh, on that series, the offense scored. Franco Harrison right up the middle and uh, on their way to the Super Bowl. You know, it was Joe Green. Uh, when you look at the Super Bowl, they played the Minnesota Vikings. They very low score, very low score. You know, Franco or um, Terry Bradshaw said he'd hang. He was just handing the ball off to Franco Harrison get the points. But who who held the who held the Fran Talkington to a very low score? Steeler defense. They called him the Iron Curtain. From there then on, so why is Joe Green my hero? I never met him. I sure like to meet him someday, but I, I've never met him. I want to. Uh, he knew in his mind that he could do what he wanted to do, and so did General Patton, and so did other people. Andrew Carnegie was able to do that. Uh, the, 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 uh, Tom Brady is able to do that. Um, the, the, the guy that was the uh, hero in golf, Tiger, Tiger Woods, yeah. when, he came, when he came on the scene, he knew he could do that, and then he kind of lost his mojo, as people say, and then he, had a, he struggled. But he knew he could do that when he came on the scene. Uh, right now, McCombs from Kansas, he knows he can do it. He's a good athlete. I guess people say he's a phenomenal athlete, but he knows he can do it. And, uh, um, you know, other, other sports figures, uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. Was, was another one that knew he could do it. I mean, seven championships. Um, there's, throughout history, you'll see people like that that, you know, they, can, they just know they can do it. Well, what about the rest of us? See, that's what intrigued me. Napoleon Hill talked about that when he studied, you know, when he was commissioned by Andrew Carnegie to write the science of success philosophy. And I knew that, you know, that Carnegie, Carnegie said he used his mind to create the steel mill. He talked about other people like Henry Ford who used his mind to create the auto industry uh, and so many others, you know, Harvey Firestone used his mind to create Firestone. And, uh, and quite a few other people, too, but those three kind of stick out in my mind. But I knew, you know, I said, okay, well, why, why does somebody like that, they know they can do it, and, and why, why, can't, why am I not doing it? I had a company that I wanted to make large, and, you know, I wasn't getting anywhere, uh, or at least I thought that's what I wanted, but, uh, and, and so many others. What's the difference between, you know, a Joe Green and me or, or, or General Patton and anybody else? And that became my life's work to figure that out. And I have figured that out now. I know the difference. You know, those people, for whatever reason, their emotional systems did not get burdened with opinions that tells them they couldn't. They just, they knew they, they, knew they could because they didn't believe they couldn't. And Henry Ford said that a long time ago. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're right. You know, he said that, and everybody likes to, to parrot that. And, you know, it's true, but everybody loses that as a cute little phrase. You know, well, you think you can. And you, yeah, it is true, but why the masses of us, you know, why can't we do it? That's what I wanted to know. That's what I spent my time, and I know now why. why. It's because we developed opinions that prevent us from knowing we can do it, and they didn't. And not only did I find that to, to be the reason and validated to be true as a fact, but even more important, I have found a way to find those things and get rid of them. Now, when I say find those things and get rid of them, I can't find them in you. I can find them in me. But I have a formula to show you how to find them in yourself. It's a self, uh, self uh, process where you have to do it to yourself. And I can teach you how or teach any reasonable person how to find those opinions in themselves and how to get rid of them. 
Now, that, that, that's, that is a fact. I mean, we're doing that every day. We've done that thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of times now between ourselves and the people we've taught. But it's an individual process. Now, I, I got to be, I got to tell you, you know, us Americans, are, we want everything fast. You know, we like fast food and fast cars and fast everything. And I got to tell you, I like everything fast too. This is not fast. This slows you down because you have no idea how many opinions you have that are between you and what you want. I know myself, I've had thousands, and I'm not BSing anybody. I've been working on this for many years. Now, I didn't know, I didn't have a formula for before, so a lot of the times I was working on these opinions, probably really wasn't getting anywhere. And now I have a formula with eight foundational beliefs or breakouts that you have to work on and, and go off from there. So I, I can I can cut this down, you know, tremendously. But it's a process, you know. I don't know. I mean, how many did you pick up? Uh, how many, you know, why can't you? Why do you believe you can't do that? Because if you really wanted to do it, you could. You really could. If you knew you could do it, you would. And, uh, you know, that's what it's like. So that's why those two two guys and among others have impressed me. Right. Have impressed me. And both of those guys were... They were real, yeah. you know. There are other people who know they could do it, but then they have phony, yeah. they have phony demeanors. I don't like people with phony demeanors. Yeah, I'm a very dominant person. All dominant people want results. So when I see somebody giving results, I like that. Now there are people who get results at the expense of others. I don't like that. Hmm. You know, you know. But to me, there's something called the law of compensation, and that means that. I see there's there's three ways to look at this. The law of compensation says I win, you win. I do not want to be engaged in anything where everybody doesn't win. I will never try to win at somebody else's expense. And I never have, so I never formed a belief that's called greed and I never had any. You know, I don't have any greed. Uh, and I never did. Thank God I didn't uh, have to get rid of that because that's probably one of the hardest things, hardest opinions in the world to get rid of. All right, But I didn't have that problem. All right, so... The law of compensation says if you want if you want to have something, you've got to give to receive. And it's very accurate. You show me somebody that doesn't have anything, I'm going to show you somebody that never gave me anything. Even a drug dealer, okay, they give pleasure to the people that buy that garbage and use it. You know, they're they're giving to receive. There's no morality in the in the law of compensation. Yeah. It's just a simple thing. You've got to give to receive. So that's the law of compensation. Then you can also, on the opposite end, you got the law of greed, which means I win, you lose. Unfortunately, today, the law of greed is... Geez, it seems like you know one out of two people's kind of likes that philosophy. That that's the worst of all. And then the law of contract, I always say, is in the middle. What's the law of contract? The law of contract is, it's just simple. I'll, you know, I'll give you, you, you'll give me an hour of time. I'll give you twenty bucks for your hour. That's the law of contract. I won't do any more. Won't do any less. But see, in the law of, uh, in the, uh, what did I say? The law of con the contract, the law of greed. What was the other one? Compensation. Com the law of compensation. I'm sorry. I don't know. I escaped that one. But in the law of compensation, you know, what it is is I will give freely not knowing how I'm going to get it back. And I've lived that way all my life. And, uh, and uh, you know, in some of my worst times, some of my worst economic times, I think that's the only thing that saved me. Because it seemed like when I really needed a sale or I really needed income, it would come, you know, and... Uh, I think that was that was the law of compensation paying me back. Yeah. And today, the law of compensation is smiling on me a, a tremendous amount. Uh, but that that also is due to the fact that I've been getting rid of many many beliefs. Sure. I will make this uh, 
be code and breakout. We're giving it away with the educational initiative. It will it will be all over the world someday, as fast as I can help it to get there. On my other side, the business that I own with my partner Frank Witowski, we will be franchising that business within three years now. All do, uh, you know. So I am moving myself toward a Joe Green, a General Patton, and all the others that can do that. And as I get closer to it, I can see everything falling in place. You know, when you tell somebody you have unlimited power to create, they you know, they went, yeah, right, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they're making, working for wages or doing this or doing that. But it's true. It is true. I knew it was true when I heard it. When I read it and thinking, go rich. I knew it was true. I, I just knew it. I could feel that it was true. The fact that I couldn't make it work or help anybody else to make it work, I just knew that it was true. And I kept pressing to find out why. And now I know why. It's, to me, it's a science. It's an exact science. So that's what I want to give people, help them, help them learn how to do that. Those that are ready and other people will get ready later in life, later on. That's okay. You know, there's people that will start, they'll teach each other, and it'll become the norm. Yeah. Uh, human beings, uh, God, when you, when you start to feel and realize and understand the gift of life that you have. You know, I used to think that, you know, uh, uh, I had a friend who used to say, life is a shit sandwich, every day you've got to take a bite, okay? <laughs> he was kind of a pessimistic type person, all right? I mean, pretty vulgar. And, you know, you saw the, the bumper sticker, shit happens, you know. So... A lot of people. Well, I was never that far down, but people. I was always. I've always been eternally optimistic. I will say that. But God, when you think of life as a burden, and, and you know, and the way you live in it, and then you think of the gift, the gift of life that you have for free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to give anybody's permission to use it. Nobody can stop you. When you realize the gift that you have to create, you can create anything you want. You literally can. You know, because we. You'll take energy. And you'll create, create it into reality. And, you know, you don't need to win the lottery. You don't need to get a windfall. You don't need to envy somebody else. You don't need to be resentful. You don't have to try to cheat somebody else out of something like so many of us are trying to do today. You don't have to take from somebody to have. You create your own. And that solves, pretty much solves all the problems. Think more, react less, think to win. As my dear friend Arthur would say, <laughs> think to win. Arthur's been with me now over 20 years. Um, he was the first person to appreciate the, what we had going here, and he's still here. And uh, he now will be a big part of us putting this thing over the top. Yeah. Think to win. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that was really good. What else you want to know? Is that enough for I today? I think that, that'll be good for today. That okay, was interesting. <laughs> it's not very often that you draw a connection between, you know, somebody like General Patton and, and Joe, Joe Green. Green. But that was really yeah, good. And I even brought Tom Brady into the mix, too. Yeah, didn't you got to throw... Yeah. Got to give credit. Tom, credit I'm not a fan of Tom Brady's. I think he's a very talented man, but there's no doubt in my mind he, he he could use his mind to win. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people you can say that about. Right. I'm, uh, I don't, don't dislike him or anything, but I was yeah. never a fan of him. Being a Steeler fan, why would I be a yeah a New England fan? Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally am not a fan, but you know a lot of people are. But I have respect for what he's accomplished. Yeah. Oh, well, you have to sure. be able to respect that. Tiger Woods, I'm not even a golf fan, but uh, I uh, uh, I had respect for what he accomplished. And, yeah. You know, we, we could end with Tiger Woods. I mean, at one point he lost his, uh, they call it your mojo, he lost his mojo. You know, he wasn't wasn't successful anymore. See, he knew he could do it, and then at some point he, he, he wondered if he could, and then you saw what happened. Yeah. You know, somewhere doubt creeped into him. It probably had to do with the 
the divorce, probably had to do with the divorce and all that was supposed to. But well, then he even came back and won the came, Masters. Yeah, he came back and uh, was able to recover later, but he struggled yeah. quite a few years there in between. But I don't think there's anybody can deny it. When the man walked on the scene as a young man, he was a phenomenon. Yeah. He was incredible. Yeah, for sure. Tiger Woods. All right, well, thank okay. you very much for the time. And we will be back next week with another episode. Our, our website is still undergoing some construction, but it will be up very soon, and you can begin taking the courses very soon. We'll let you know whenever that's back up and running. Thank you again for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving if this episode is coming out before Thanksgiving. If not, uh, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.